Hello, everyone. You are tuned in to CK Huddle, the podcast that unpacks and simplifies complex money, accounting, and tax topics that impact the bottom line. I'm Ignatius L. Jackson, CPA, and my co-host is Eric Pierre, CPA. We are practicing CPAs with a knack for translating tax and accounting hot topics into a language that is easily understood. This podcast is for everyone, working professionals, household managers, retirees, business owners, professional athletes, boomerangs, college students, and yes, you. It's time to increase your money management IQ, so let's huddle up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special episode of CPA Huddle. I am one of the co-hosts, Eric Pierre, and my other co-host, <laughs> Ignatius Jackson. Hello, welcome everybody. How's everybody doing today? Everybody, we're doing great over here. So anyway, just want to give a disclaimer. Today's episode is going to be a little controversial. Yes, we're going to talk about race. If that makes you uncomfortable, you may want to stop listening. But I really think you want to give it a chance. But I want to give that disclaimer because... Some people get uncomfortable by it, and it's not just white people. Black people get uncomfortable by it. Other people do. But today, we have a guest who is a CPA that specializes in diversity and inclusion and all things race, particularly focused on the accounting industry, Miss Jana Etienne. Thank you. <laughs> now, Jana has been in doing this for over 20 years, and she has been in executive positions, I believe, with NABA in the AICPA. Is there anything else that I've forgotten? Because I don't want to understate your experience right now. Well, I've been black my whole life, so I got that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have 21 years in actual public accounting practice. I had my own firm for 17. Okay. And I was CEO at NABA for two years. Right. And that was my pivot to DNI. Before that, I was Miss Tax Cat, as you know on Twitter. <laughs> I'm still Miss Tax Cat. And now I've been doing DNI full time since. Well, I started at Grant in 2018. So, I mean, I feel like DNI is, I started working on DNI behind the scenes when I was at the AICPA, helping my colleague who was leading the Minorities Issues Committee, which is what it used to be called, and then went full time when I left and went to NAVA. Okay. So, what did you do? You said you had your own firm for seven years. What did you do? What type of work did you do when you had your own firm? Was it just tax work or did you do other things? Specializing in tax. Okay. Awesome. In tax. S corporations in particular. <laughs> the nation's always has that S corp shirt, you know. You probably can see one after the show. I didn't wear it today. I wore my My CPA is Black t shirt today uh, in, in honor of the topic. So, <laughs> those of you listening, you know, we don't show the video feed, but Nations has got that My CPA is Black. Obviously, Jana says she's Black. And well, you all know I'm Black and proud. So, should be times three. Shout out to NSBCPA, by the way. <laughs> what does that stand for? Tell everybody. National Society of Black CPAs. Uh, Ignatius is an executive officer. And I think he might be running for office soon, so I need to vote for him. <laughs> yeah. He our uh, president. We actually just turned one as of yesterday, so we're recording this on June 9th. Um, so, so we've been in operation for one full year at the National Society of Black CPAs. So, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Are you serious? So the one year, it was formed June 8th? June 8th, 2020. Yeah. Oh, yesterday, my... hold on. Yesterday, June 8th was my 30th wedding anniversary. Oh, oh look at that. Yeah, I'm that old. And so we have something in common. Oh, there by the way, one more thing. Uh, today is June 9th, day recording. Today's my mother's 69th birthday. Uh, Rose Pierre, happy birthday. Thank happy you for birthday. putting up with me. I apologize for giving you all that gray hair, but um, if those of you that come have a big butt because mama gave me all those whoopings all those years and the swell never went down. But in all seriousness, mom, happy birthday to my tea mama and Sakpase uh, to my fellow Haitians. We were obviously we're talking about race, we're talking about the number of black CPAs in the profession. That's kind of the the key point of today, I guess. I'm going to start off by sharing some statistic. So now this was done by what organizations? This Cal CPA and IMA. So you guys did this report. You guys made it public. So I'm just reading it. So when we look at the 
black population, there's okay, so the black population according to US census is about 13.4%, of which in 20 this is as of 2019, keep in mind. Black or African American make up 8.5% of the account and auditor workforce, of which Fortune 500 CEOs, CFOs, and CEOs, 1.4%. I'm surprised it's that high. Um, and then in 2018, 1% are partners in accounting functions of US CPA firms. I'm sure if we added Canada and Mexico, it would be even lower. So, Jana, <laughs> why? Why is it when I'm looking at stat that so the odds of me being partner of a firm is one percent? Why is it that my odds uh, when I was playing basketball or being drafted in the NBA is much higher, according to NCAA, about one point five percent than it is making partner? So, so let's just jump right into the deep end. Is that what you're saying? Hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Um, it's there's no easy answer to that question. There are a lot of reasons. One, if you just look at athletics, it's significantly less white than the accounting profession. Because what, ba- wait, wait, what about baseball and hockey? Those are predominantly white. Oh, I thought you were talking about basketball and the NFL. My bad. Oh, oh yeah, okay, yeah, that's true. That's true. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, just in general, think culturally. Growing up, if you're black in the United States, growing up. What comes to mind in terms of just professional categories? I'm taking a guess. Doctor. Lawyer. Yes. Athlete. Yeah. Ministry. Yes. Education. Yes. Those are just, there are others, but just if you were to just. The last key one I would say would be music also. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Music. So, I mean, if you you did it family family feud style, we just walk out and ask a question of the first 100 black people we know. What was the first career you knew of when you were a child? They probably would list one of those six and maybe a few others. I'm guessing nobody on the list would say CPA. Well, I would have because my dad was a CPA, but I'm a rare exception. Yeah, actually, you are because a lot of us are first generation mm-hmm. and i mean some of that is just because of the opportunities my parents had you know okay so my mother's filipino but my father's black and i don't know i mean he went to go he got an engineering degree uh-huh. but he got an engineering degree by going through the military i don't know that he would have had an engineering degree if he wanted to go to college because when his father was born those options didn't even exist mm. i mean so you're asking the question one percent of partners and cpa firms are black if we start there and back into that you could look at so i was looking at that trends report four percent of all cpa firm staff are black it's actually four percent i'm surprised yeah because when i worked at deloitte in houston um there was only like out of 65 i think my peer group had and the audit side, if I recall, and forgive me, because someone let me scream at me, but I think I was the only African American in our pure group. ERS had three or four, but in the audit side, from what I recall, there was only one that I myself that I remember at the time. And what year was this? Two thousand three. So I'm aging myself. But the, but to your point, that wasn't that long ago. No, 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 no. Uh, when I started, LeBron James had been drafted out of high school. That's how Back long to we reference points that I do not know, but okay. <laughs> he does I, that a lot, Janai. Ba- basketball oh, okay, player. Ignatius, you could have warned me. Um, <laughs> but, but back to those stats. I have 2% of CPAs in CPA firms are black. So half the staff, if it was 4% black staff, it's 2% black CPAs. You can guess where we're going with this then. Half of that number, 1% are partners. Now, just for kicks, just now I pulled up the 2009 AICPA Trends Report. Guess what the percentage was black CPAs in all firms in 2009? 0.1%. 1%. 1%. That number's rounded. That's not, that, that number's rounded. Yeah, they're rounded up. But the, here's the thing. We've made no progress. We've okay, made, so, That's 2009 and then we're to 2019. Okay. okay. So, so you how say, do we get there? Okay. So now you say we made no progress. So- 
So what if I said it's one of the two, I don't know if it's quite simple, but one group of people could say, if I said that this is because these firms are run by racist people, am I correct? Or, or the other theory that I have is that maybe that black people may not be taking advantage of opportunities available that cup that some of these firms and organizations have made in the last 10 years is it one or the other is it both or is it more complex i'm gonna go with c more complex Why? by the way i gave you the wrong statistic that number was um 2019 today in 10 years no progress yeah so both the cpa stat and the partner stat are basically flat um so i think it's i think it's more complex one i wouldn't use the word racist well, I'm just um, telling you that's what some people say. So I, I got you. Right. I got you. I, ju I just don't think that. I do believe that there is a percentage of people in this country that are racist. And I think that, you know, if it was 100%, then it was down to 80%, and then it was down to 20%. I don't know. We're, we are not at 0% yet in this country, which means there's inevitably some representation of that racism in our profession. It is not the majority, in my opinion, it is the minority. Well, I don't believe we'll know who they are because one of the things we do know in this profession is you share information very, very carefully. Yeah, so, I, I, and I agree with you, Janelle. I, I don't know that I would say that the profession overall is racist. I think it's more so that, and yes, there are definitely going to be a few that are out there. It, it's just like many other topics, you know, that you what's going on in the country, such as law enforcement and the justice system and a bunch of other areas where you can make, you can say the same thing, basically. I just feel like there's a lot of, I'll use this term uh, that I guess is pretty popular, popularized right now, but a lot of unconscious bias, essentially, where, you know, you don't have people, you got people that don't look like you, that you maybe haven't historically did a whole lot with, that you don't really understand uh going into your field um going into your firm and there's really no one there for them to connect with because it's primarily a bunch of people who don't have their background their experience don't look like them mm. and i think that really is is more of the issue and even though some of the partners and some of the leaders of the firm probably want to do what they can to change it that a lot in a lot of cases i don't know that they necessarily know how or if they do know how aren't willing to put in the work to to make it happen so um it, again just going with what makes them comfortable and what they're used to versus trying to really take the 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 status quo and turn it on its head so you know and well, I want to add, when you okay that we all gotta be honest okay when you think when you hear the word accountant and you come up with the image what image a person comes to mind when you hear that word? First thing. White guy. What? Older white guy? Young white guy or older? Older white guy. Older white guy with glasses? I mean, there's, this, there's an accountant stereotype. And yeah. even if you look at cartoons, if you look at um, news stories, if, if there's a story that's going to talk about accounting, the image they're going to use in that story is going to be the guy that we're both and I'm guessing Ignatius too, the person that comes to mind. So I don't, yeah. there is, a, and there's definitely a CPA stereotype. I used to describe it as it's a white man, probably in his fifties, married, his wife's a stay at home mother. They have two and a half kids, drives a four door sedan. He plays golf. Like you could keep going with this. <laughs> and it is a definite stereotype. The also thing though is, there's a lot of that stereotype that's true. And you and I are not reflected in that stereotype. No, no. Um, not only that, I want to add, it's, I spoke with a uh, lady, I'm going to keep her name uh, anonymous, but she, re you know, I will say she's Caucasian. She's in the industry. She's well known. She recently met a bunch of people from tax Twitter offline. And, you know, she has an athletic background. Okay. And she doesn't fit the stereotype, but she said her and her boyfriend noticed that most of these accountants, they're like, these guys aren't, you know, her boyfriend said, 
Hey, babe, these these folks were uh, small, scrawny, unathletic people. Said, and she was like, "Babe, that's the industry." Oh. So, someone like me, an ex basketball player, Ignatius, he's a you know tall, larger life figure with a gregarious personality. And you, the three of us, who walk the room and so say we're all accountants. People would look at us crazy, thinking y'all lying. <laughs> and we're so articulate. <laughs> oh, and you're very artic articulate. <laughs> Well, well, so let me go back to something, Ignatius. I think you brought up, when you said something about bias, I, I wrote three things down. Bias, privilege, systemic. And I thought, so bias to me, okay, we're all human and we all have bias. And the term unconscious bias is being thrown around today as if it's the problem. And mm -hmm. if we can just all not like be not unconsciously biased, <laughs> we would address some of the problem, but that's humanly impossible to do. So that's the first thing. And there's a whole conversation you can have about unconscious bias, but the whole idea behind unconscious bias is that our brains have automatic assumptions that they, that it makes because of our experiences. And a lot of that is informed by stereotypes, um, messaging in the media, like you just talked about Eric, where the images that come up are not images of you and me, whenever you see somebody talking about the accountant. I mean, how many people saw that movie with Ben Affleck called the accountant and they might have never heard of an accountant before and now they think we're like criminal masterminds. Not that they do, but anyway, the unconscious bias, that's the first thing. The other thing I wanted to say is privilege. There's the systems that get you to partner require coaching and mentoring. Yes. They require, you know, nurturing and feedback. You have to be a quote unquote top performer in order to be put into some of these leadership development programs, which are partner tracks. But yeah. how do you define top performer? For most people, they look to people who did the things that they did, went to the schools that they went to, dress the right. way that they dress, talk the way that they talk. And it seems like the right thing to do, except that if it's a white guy looking for people who are successful, and he's looking at other white guys because when he looks at a black man, he doesn't evaluate his performance the same way. Or if he looks at a white woman or a black woman, he doesn't even see them as leaders. There's those are that's where some of the bias plays out. And then there's the systemic problems. Everybody says we want to diverse, we want to recruit more diversity, but they keep going back to the same colleges and expecting a different result. <laughs> All right, I got so a question. I mean, you, you see what I'm saying? It's complicated. I, I agree, but now I do have a question. Um, the, you know, this question is not necessarily how, may or may not how I think, but this is something that comes up a lot, maybe more in the barbershop talk. So you mentioned white women. A lot, I'm not going to speak for entire black people, a lot of people, black community will go back and say to you, they have it much better than black women and black men and why is it that they're considered a minority? Because the government, uh, what some white men have done in the last few years, because I saw this in San Diego, is that white men to get the minority designation will put a white lady as a front person. Why are white women considered a minority? And because black people have been invisible. Right, okay. Okay. Then do they, in your, you know, in your opinion, and I do know white women in the in the industry. In fact, the lady that mentored me the most, uh, Karen Bordis, is a white lady. She's great. I'm actually going to see her and her husband this weekend. We used to not get along. It was not because of race. I thought she was annoying, particularly when she was pregnant. She used to scream at me. I find to tell her, "Hey, look, if you need to scream at anybody, you need to scream at the man that got, that made you pregnant. It wasn't me." Oh, so, <laughs> yeah, I actually said that. Yes, Ignatius, do you want to? Can you put him on mute sometimes? <laughs> It's tough to do. Tough to do, I tell you. But in all in all seriousness, but I'm disclosing that. When I hear that, I'm thinking, well, a white woman's not have to worry about being called the N-word. Or when I was at Deloitte, I was asked flat out, were you hired because of firm of action, even though I was one of the top accounting students in the country? And I made homecoming court. I had a lot of things going on that these nerds couldn't do uh, that I could do with one hand behind my back. How do you answer that? So if you go back and I can't, I don't know for sure. I haven't done research to pinpoint when, 
but let's go with the last 15 to 20 years of diversity efforts. The diversity in the profession started off as let's uh, create more opportunities for women. And so the efforts to improve diversity were gender-based efforts. And we didn't start adding in race and ethnicity and other areas of diversity until more recently. And when some of those efforts started, a lot of them were driven by the EEOC uh, protections for underrepresented minorities. Mm -hmm. And so diversity efforts were more about, okay, you said we're going to be direct on this webcast. I I think that they were more about integration and assimilation than about true meaningful diversity. Now, today we're talking about diversity in the context of inclusion. So not only do we want minorities, but we want them to be part of our culture. Before, I do believe that some of it was we want to have minorities because it's the right thing to do or because we want to make sure we're not seen as discriminatory. Mm -hmm. So it was, I don't know, I don't want to say protectionary. I don't know what the right word is, but nobody wants to be a business that's seen as discriminatory. And the only way to be seen as not discriminatory is to have minorities working for you because there's the proof. Well, what, what good is that minorities working for you if they're never going to have opportunities being leadership? Well, I think so. Some of that, I think, is start, starting to change. We aren't at the point where change is meaning, happening to me in a meaningful way. Because even if we were to able to improve diversity recruiting today, and we see significant improvements in diversity across staff, and we see more Blacks becoming CPAs, we still need 15 more years to see them as partners from today. Yeah. Now, to be fair, then flip that. Look at the partner today. And let's say the newest partner was in that firm for 10, 15 years before they got there. So let's rewind 10, 15 years ago. How diverse was the profession then? So we can't expect the profession to be more diverse at the partner level today than it was 10 years ago, because this is just a problem of time. Yeah. But if we can't solve to the earlier question, and it's what the National Society of Black CPAs is all about, if we can't get more black CPAs, we won't have more black partners. It's a math problem. Right. Okay. My next question. So, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, the problem with white America, but if you had to quantify how much of it is on the responsibility of, you know, black Americans not being more black CPAs, what percentage would it be? And then what can black people do? Because if white people are willing to give scholarships like the AICPA, I got one. And now there's more efforts. I think Deloitte announced a funding to help black students get the CPA, their CPA exam. Deloitte announced a big financial commitment. I think BDO has programs now. How much of it is our responsibility? What can we do? Well, let's take away the idea that none of it is our responsibility because we're not victims here, but we are the result of a systemically racist society where we did not have any of the same opportunities. All the laws and systems that were that that date back to the birth of this country, many of those were based on oppression. So if you expect today that You've, that's okay. So everybody's been freed and everybody has equal opportunity. So racism is done, right? Everybody's equal and fair. And the reality is no, because you have to shift mindset. You have to shift belief. We have largely segregated communities where people live and worship. We aren't going to have diverse organizations if we don't have diverse communities, if we don't have diverse colleges and universities. And so this whole utopia, I heard somebody refer to it as like a Benetton commercial. We don't live in a Benetton commercial. We live in a a largely segregated society and the mindsets of those two communities are fundamentally different. So your question. Yes. Part of it is on us to really find ways to improve awareness about the accounting profession. When we were talking earlier about name the top five we're gonna, the, just the top five professions or careers that you would think about as a child, accountant doesn't show up on the radar except for you. So the, yeah, there are a couple of people like you who thought of an accountant, but you're the exception, yeah. not the rule. So there's one, awareness. 
And then two, we've got to put the infrastructure in place. Because if you look at the education African-Americans get in this country, we're in the poorer neighborhoods with reduced educational resources, lower quality teachers. So the graduation rate and the skill rate isn't the same. We don't even have the same educational resources. You could have the best teacher in an inner city school, but they are not going to have the resources and they could be working their ass off and they still can't, they can only get their students as far up as the resources that they have allows. So there's that. And then when you get to college, how many people are being made aware of the accounting industry and pursuing it? I mean, yeah, they're going to get bachelor's degrees, but how many people are going to go into accounting? Because it's got this, I'm going to say stigma, because I do think it is, of being really, really hard. But I mean, so is chemistry, right? Yeah. I mean, but people won't look at that as a hard thing. They look at it as challenging and you're really, really smart. We don't look at accounting that way. Not in the same way. There's a white paper, I'm actually, I pulled it up, um, a diversity pipeline model put out by Howard University. Mm -hmm. One of the things it has here is the number one step is exposure. Just expo guess what? Accountants exist and there are really great careers. You can make good money. You can have great benefits. Um, it's a, you can have some, it doesn't even have to be prestige. How about you can just have a really good solid career? Okay. Now, when you say exposure, do you, you know, do you think that one of the things that organizations like the AICPA and maybe the big four need to do a better job of putting more positive, you know, black and brown images that represent the industry? Because, listen, whenever I go to a webinar uh, outside of, you know, the one we've done and a couple other organizations, you know, NSBCPA, it's always white people talking. Other, other than what I've done with you and one I did with Jennifer Wilson, where we had Tiffany King, who was the first black partner at Deloitte, uh, I believe in New York, and she's with uh, Mazers. I, I, it's, it's hard for me to find black images that are positive in this industry. Is that part of the issue? Because there's some real, there are some really good black accounts, but the firms with the unconscious bias don't tend to promote them. Again, you like to ask complicated questions, don't you? Yes, I do. So you have Kimberly Ellison Taylor. She's a phenomenal role model. She was the first black chairman of the AICPA. Mm -hmm. And she's everywhere. Yes. If, yes, you're yes. In, if you are in public accounting and you pay attention to the AICPA, because there are a lot of people who aren't fans of the AICPA. So if you look at the population of CPAs who look to the AICPA and are engaged with the AICPA, they're going to see her as the high, as a very high level um, and great example of, you know, what that there are minorities in the profession. And if you look at her story growing up in the inner city of Baltimore, it's a compelling story. I, I mean, I know Kimberly, she's great. But if you are not a fan of the AICPA, or you're not even involved, like you work in a firm like mine. And my largest in my CPA firm, I had five employees. So I was never really, a, I wasn't even a big firm. I wasn't even a small firm. I was a teeny weeny firm. And um, nobody on my team knew anything about the AICPA. So they're going to have a very different perspective about what the profession looks like if they're looking at the same pictures you were talking about earlier, where they're looking at all the images that come out by the press, the Journal of Accountancy covers, like in all the other publications, and most of the time they see white men, that's going to be their image. I, so I do think there are black examples, minorities, not just black. They're just not a lot of them. And once they find one, they tend to keep going back to one or two examples rather than continually trying to raise up different people. Now, there are not a lot of people to find and raise up, perhaps. And maybe that's the problem. Regarding Kim, shout out to her. Some, some people could say, well, okay, she's an example, but she actually doesn't run a firm. So how would well, you but counter Do you that? have to run a firm to be respected in the profession? I mean, we can't start saying, well, you didn't do this and you do, we have enough of that where we don't support each other because we start nitpicking stuff. 
I, I do think, I, yeah, the crab in the bucket mentality is definitely an issue. I, I, um, yeah, this is this is really uh, tough. And thank you for coming on and talk about it. I, I had a question. I can't think of it. So you know, Nate, just if you have something, I'll I'll figure it out in a second. <laughs> no worries. You know, I mean, it, this is obviously a very uh, touchy and a, a sensitive topic, but um, it's an important one. Don't get me wrong. And, you know, it, it it's, it, I have a similar size firm. So, I, you know, as you had, Jenna, um, and, you know, it's, it is tough, you know, when you're smaller to get some stuff done and to be relevant. You know, I haven't had the some of the experiences that i think maybe eric has had you know working in the profession but i guess i maybe want to just turn the 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 topic a little bit towards that like you know what you know what are some of the things that we would say or do that would encourage people based on our experiences to get involved in this field and to actually consider this as an option um you know how can we get the get more of that word out and uh, what should that word be? You know, I, from my perspective, I can tell you that it's, this is phenomenal. I mean, to me, being a CPA is a, a great opportunity. No business in this country operates without an accountant of some sort. And usually that's going to be a CPA to some shape or form, whether it's their external auditor or their internal CFO or some of their staff people you got some kind of a CPA working um, or an external CPA firm doing their taxes. So, you know, there's a lot of opportunity. I, I use this on our first podcast. It's like a license to print money almost. Um, and because there's just so much opportunity and in, in business out there that's available. And there's a lot of people who are retiring. I mean, a lot of those old white men that we're talking about yeah. are reaching retirement age yep. and there's not really a whole lot of people that are there to take over that work is what we're coming to find out. And, you know, it, this, if there was ever an opportunity, I feel like now is definitely that time where there's a huge opportunity to, you know, either own your own business or be become a partner in maybe a larger firm because there's just so much work that's going to be coming available. And a lot of these larger firms are just acquiring. I feel like a lot of the business from the smaller firms and those smaller firms are in a sense almost going away sometimes. They're and that's something that I don't think we should have or want. So, I, I mean, I love the question and I think part of what we can do. So, I mean, all of this stuff is complex. There are nuances that we haven't even touched on. We've been sort of hitting these things like a, you know, a, 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 what is it? If everything's a nail, then that's how you're going to hit it with your hammer. That kind of, if you have a hammer, everything's a nail. That's, I think that's, the one. that's, that's kind of the approach we're taking, but it is complicated and it is nuanced. And I think part of what the answer to your question is, we need to be in the community because there are a lot of us who would go to work and we just sort of, we're spending so much energy running our firms, managing our life and, and, grateful i know i was grateful for the education i got and the career i was able to establish i was active in my local community i'm in silver spring maryland i was a member of the chamber of commerce and i was an active volunteer i was a member in a local women's group active volunteer part of that then was i was a living breathing example the of color and gender being successful and trying to be a leader in the community but I will admit what I did not do was go to my local elementary schools for career days. And looking back, I should have done that. Um, but so those are the kinds of things. I wasn't particularly active in the Maryland Association of CPAs. I was on two committees, but I wasn't on the big committees. So maybe we need to be more involved in our associations. NSBCPA, AICPA, my state society, NABA. Am I allowed to reference them? Because they're you know, yeah, you can reference NABA. That's um, so NABA, Alpha, I mean, all of them, we should be more involved. So I have a note, I wrote down associations, industry, we can be more involved in different things across our industries because there are CPA conferences, but there mm -hmm. are also advisory service conferences, there are tax conferences, there are technology conferences all in the industry. We can be more involved. Look at NAO, um, what's her last name, Carter? Gray, um, Mayo Carter Gray. Carter Gray. That's her. She's an excellent example of an ambassador in tech and in the Intuit 
community. Everybody yeah. knows her. And she talks about Black empowerment, the importance of Black engagement, Black community. So she's an example. And then in education, what are we doing in schools, at community colleges to create awareness for people going on to a four-year degree or encouraging people to leave the community college into a four-year degree? I mean, there's so many things that we can do to create, back to that point, Eric, exposure. And okay, so that's the I, first part. I got a question. Now, I got a question for you. You mentioned, and I do agree, about the, the committees, but a lot of us that are in the industry um, may have hesitation being now. I think it's easy for black people who want to evolve in the NSBCPA now, but because there's a lot of us, what do you say to somebody that's, that says, you know, uh, full disclosure, the ASCPA did recruit me to be involved in committee. And I told them, I don't trust you guys. And the reason I don't trust you guys, I got a minority scholarship from y'all college. Thank you very much. My father is grateful for that because it saved his bills. Um, but after college, I got a scholarship. I went to a conference, met some people organization. And then it's like, I was just thrown into the deep end and said, good luck fending for yourself, getting that CPA license. That's what I remember. What do you say to someone like me? And, and knowing that when I hear these talks about diversity, most of the time it's being led by people that don't look like me. They're trying to set the, the tone. And, you know, you can go into the Malcolm X speech on that, which I won't right now. What do you say to that? Um, I had a very different experience than you. I was involved in, an in a committee at the AICPA and that role has opened up a lot of doors for me. I have a lot of people to be grateful for and they're all white. Mm -hmm. Most of them are men, not all of them. Yeah. And if we have to be part of the solution of change, we can't expect white people to change if we're not willing to step in and be part of that. And um, it, so I, <laughs> like everything else we've been talking about, it's complicated, but I think we can't be looking at white people, white men and saying, well, you haven't done enough, so I'm not going to do anything. It doesn't, no, okay. we have to be engaged and we have to be involved. And so for you, I would even say you got a scholarship. How could you have leveraged that? And when you go to that conference, and I'm not saying this is what you did, but I've observed some people who do this. So you go to the conference and you're waiting for them to come and invite you. Walk up and say hello. Go up and put yourself into the conversation. Don't let them ignore you. Now, that doesn't mean be obnoxious, but you can just stand there and be like, I'm right here. What do you need me to do? I'm going to do something. What do you need me to do? Find an opportunity. Because we have to be able to, what do they say? You have to work twice as hard to be seen as equal then? Well, my dad told me well, we to do in the work. We're Haitian immigrants, yeah. We got to put in the work and then we have to be willing to look back and bring somebody else along because if i had to push the door open then i need to make sure i'm inviting somebody else like me to come through that door whether it's a woman of color whether it's any color doesn't have to be black yeah or another african-american black person regardless of gender because that's how this is going to change. It's going to change because we have advocates, we have allies, we have champions who are white, who are male or white women. It doesn't matter. They're the ones that are already in the room at the table where we all want to have a seat. Somebody has to invite me into that room and I can't be afraid to walk into it. And then if I'm invited into that room, I sit down with confidence at the table and I expect my voice to be heard like everybody else. Because if not, you are treating me as a token. And I'm sorry, I don't do that. You pick the wrong woman to be part of that table. And I think that, so that's what we all need to do. It's not, and, you know, going back to the very opening thing you said, there might be people in our profession who are racist. You might come across somebody like that, but you cannot let that stop you. I dare say I wouldn't call anybody a racist, except I might call somebody one, you know, I might have a conversation one-on-one -on -one that's a little different than what I might have publicly. Yeah. Because we need allies, but we can't wait for somebody to pull us up. We have to push that door open ourselves. It's a very good statement. 
I know that in my firm, I have a larger team than both you two uh, for different reasons. When I've, one of my frustrations is that when I've given opportunities to younger African-Americans, they'll ask me to mentor them. So I give them opportunity and then they don't do anything with them. And then they get pissed at me when we got part ways say, listen, man, I don't have time for that. That's a whole nother conversation. But I'm just saying like, I've been, I'm willing to push the door open, give people opportunities that other firms won't give in the black community. When I do the same thing for our ethnic groups, they tend to be grateful and they they excel. They do phenomenal. But those are those are ethnical, those are eth- ethnic differences and barriers. And we have barriers in the African American community, no doubt. And and those are things we need to address. But I mean, we yeah. can't boil the ocean on this podcast. And I think that there <laughs> just if you just focus on how do we start to drive change as CPAs, because all of us are CPAs, all of us were uh-huh. able to make it which means other people can do it too, but we have to be part of that conversation. We can't just sit back and wait for the rest of the profession to do it. And I'm sorry, Ignatius, you were going to say something because I'm really curious. Go ahead, Ignatius. <laughs> no, I, I was just going down that same path. You know, I, I, I just think we were very, this is something I talk about all the time, that in relation to being black CPAs, in relation to generational wealth, in relation to just the a lot of the discussions overall about racial equality and equity and whatever you want to call it, right, is at, at the end of the day, there comes a time to stop talking about stuff and for people to actually get off their asses, essentially, and go and take their own uh, future into their hands. Because yeah. there's a lot, while yes, there's a history, and yes, there's a lot of problems with that history, this is the current environment. And currently there's not a whole lot of impediments that I see for people to be able to get to that level if they want to get to that level. It's a lot of internal and personal things that are holding us back, whether it's families, you know, not necessarily encouraging the young kids to seek opportunities um, or saying, oh, you'll never be anything just because I never had those opportunities. I feel like there's, there is a lot of our own internal within our own race and within our own ethnicities and backgrounds and culture where we are also holding ourselves back in a lot, in a lot of I, ways. I think yeah. what you're referring to is sort of like this whole psychology of the Black community. Yes. yes. And we are, we are still working our way out of that. And I do believe that there are barriers that are holding us back. If, if, if you open the gates wide open, there's still a lot of people who would not walk out. They would stay in the pen because it's what they know. Yeah. And it's, you know, hats off to our ancestors. You know, how many people using your description would have been compliant back in the days of slavery versus the one who were, were, were rebellious. Well, my ancestors were the first slave rebe- successful slave rebellion. Yeah, I know. That's a Haiti. Uh, Y'all look up the history of Haiti. That's, but Eric, <laughs> we're not going there. We're not going there. Where, where, where I was going is that, Ignatius, to your point, not all of us are willing to do that work and do the hard work. It's hard, and we have to work harder just to be seen as equal. And for some people, I'm sorry, but and I can't blame them. They don't want to do that. They'd rather work in an area where they don't have to fight so hard. Thankfully, there are some of us, like the three of us, who are willing to do the work. Mm-hmm. And then we're willing to talk about it. And, and that's, it's going to be one, you know, first it's going to be one black CPA, then it's going to be two, then it's going to be four, and then it's going to be eight. And eventually, we'll start to make some progress. The best news, though, is this. One, you said partners are retiring. They need to have a succession plan. And if they just look down the pipeline, it is more diverse, period, end of story, because the population is more diverse. Yes. Which means they're going to have to just get on board. If they want to get their retirement, they're going to need partners. And if they expect all of those partners to be white, which I know they don't, but let's just say there are going to be fewer partners in the future, which means their retirement is in jeopardy unless they start creating diversity in their partner pipeline. So as a matter of the math, it's going to happen. Yeah. The profession will be more diverse because this because what is it? What are they saying? 2042, 
the majority white will become the minority in this country. Yeah. I think yep. it's somewhere around that time frame. Do the math. Either the accounting profession is going to become really small if it says minority white, majority white, or by passage of time, it'll be more diverse. And don't forget what I also said earlier, which is 10 years from now, we should see more diversity in partnership if today there's more diversity in staff. But it's a math problem because it takes time to bake a cake, right? You can't mix the ingredients and then have a cake. You got to let it bake. You got to let it cool. It's going to take time. Mm. But we're making progress. Very, very slow progress, but I, I, it's it's headed that way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, while to me, I, the percentages are, are the key, you know, in, in my eyes, because we've made progress in terms of um, amounts or, or numbers, right? So there's definitely more black CPAs now than there were over the last 50 years or whatever. But, but challenge you on that. Hold on, because there's more CPAs, period. Well, more CPAs, period, as well, yes. Yes. So, so by it, nature, then more of them are more black in total, but not more in percentage. Not more in percentage, exactly. That's And that's what I'm trying to get at is, yes, we to me, that's real progress. If we can change that percentage, there's only one group, I believe, that's below us, which is Native Americans. Yeah. Right. right. So, you know, we're... We're, we're just by far, you know, one of the most unrepresented groups in the profession. So we really got to, in order to make that progress, we really got to get those percentages up. And that's the key to me. Um, and, and hopefully we can do that. You know, that's obviously one of the key things what the National Society of Black CPAs was founded to do. Um, you know, they have a great program out there. I'll say, you know, if there's people listening to this podcast and they are looking to get their, uh, their, kids or uh, students interested in becoming a CPA, that program is a phenomenal opportunity to do that. Um, and we've gotten a lot of support, um, including the ASCPA, including, uh, you know, Roberts uh, Smith um, and some other people. And so it's, it, it's just a huge, huge opportunity for us uh, doing that uh, program. Um, I don't know. Anything else you want? I, we're kind of pretty long on our podcast. Yeah. If we go back to 1% partners in 2009, we are 1% in 2021. We have got to move that needle. Yes. And if we're still here in five years, then I will look back on this conversation and feel like I was way more optimistic than I should have been. But I'm hopeful that now that we're starting to have real conversations about this, including discussions like today, maybe we can, maybe this is that moment when we're going to start to see change. And I'm hoping that's the case, especially with organizations like the NSBCPA who have been created today with the intention of changing that statistic. I am hopeful. Yeah, I, I, I'm hopeful too. I'm not going to lie. If I had known this when I was in college, I would have put a little more time to basketball before I went to this profession. You're not helping things, Eric. You're not helping things. I'm just, hold on, hold on. But... I do think we're making progress and I am, I am doing my part. You know, I invest in the PR campaign in part, yes, to grow my firm, but to help push the door, showing people that, Hey, us black, us black folks, we know our stuff too. You know, I just did an interview with CNBC should be out later today talking about the billionaire tax issue, you know? So I, that's part of, you know, I learned pushing the door that I've had to, invest more money in putting ourselves out there. And, you know, I believe that my role is to be the John the Baptist because there are younger black people who are smarter and better than me that if I can do well, they'll, they'll be, I'll be preparing the way for those future black leaders. And I want to be able to support people like Ignatius through Ignatius is phenomenal. If you watch his YouTube videos, I mean, the man can break down a, a corporation com- construct into such simple things that, you know, nations and I, we have to continue to put ourselves out there, even though it is hard because it last story, when I first moved to California, my white colleagues tried to have me shut down before I even could start out there. You know, I did videos out there back in the day and they used to complain to the California State Board of Accountancy claiming I broke all the rules I never did. 
So I went through that hardship. And so for going through all that, it was worth it. It's where I'm at today. And I hope that, you know, any black person that's thinking about being CPA, you should do it. I'll just say as my last comment um, to your point, Ignatius, I'm, I'm, my experience here couldn't have been any different, couldn't, couldn't have been more different. Um, I think that we're moving in the right direction. And I'm, I am an eternal optimist, but I'm hopeful, especially with this new organization, that we're going to see some change. And it's going to be hard. And some of the workplace cultural barriers will still exist. So we're still going to have to struggle with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Black people, we know how to struggle. And we know how to work through difficulty. And, and we'll do it here, too. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. All right. I agree. Thanks. Thanks, Janelle, for joining us today. Um, Eric, did you have one last thing you were about to speak here again? Uh, I was going to say thank you, Janelle, as well. Yeah. Um, so, again, thanks for joining us. So uh, It's been a great conversation. Uh, I know Eric and I are very uh, passionate about this topic. Um, it's one of the reasons why, honestly, this podcast was even started, because we looked out there and we just didn't even see hardly any uh, Black CPAs doing anything like this. Um uh, and if they were, they kind of were doing it sporadically, not being very consistent with it, um, not really kind of talking to the heart of this topic. And so it's one of the reasons why we did this. And so we'll definitely be talking more about this over, you know, the, the, in the future, um, get some additional guests on, um, get some additional people kind of involved in the conversation, but really excited to, to at least raise the surface and initially here talking through this and, um, you know, we'll, uh, definitely encourage you to come back as well, Janan, and kind of give us some more updates on what you're doing with your uh, activities and whatnot. So um, well, I'll, I'll say thank you for having me. Um, and I'll put in a little plug because I'm doing a webinar uh, every other Friday. It's called DNI one-on-one. Eric was a guest and it's similar to what you're doing here with the podcast, but it's, it's, it's a w- video webcast where I talk to one person about one thing for one hour. And I'm trying to bring a bunch of different conversations. And on June 25th, as an example, there's a gentleman who I met who I've asked him the question, why do people say I don't see color, particularly white people? And that's the title of the session. I don't see color. Those are the types of conversations I want to have. Like you said, Ignatius, I want to talk about the stuff we don't see a lot of conversations around. So I would invite you both to to listen and your audience as well to, to listen. Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely will listen and I, uh, and pay attention to that. So, all right, everybody, thanks for joining us for this episode and hopefully everybody has a good day. We will be back with more exciting topics next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to CP Hall. Add us to your listening rotation by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Follow CP Huddle across all social media platforms. And for more information about the services provided by our firms, check us out at www.iljcpa.com or www.pierreaccounting.com. We will be back to huddle up soon.